0: Hi, this is Taylor Stuber and this is Sean Smithgall. We are both clinical pharmacists, faculty members, and your hosts for The Postgraduate Pharmacist. Welcome back, Sasso Squad, and any new listeners, to another episode of The Postgraduate Pharmacist, where we're all about helping you separate and stand out as you prepare for postgraduate training. From current events to expert advice, we bring you up to date content every other Monday related to postgraduate training. Join the Sasso squad today and follow us on Twitter at PG Pharmacist or Instagram and LinkedIn at the Postgraduate Pharmacist.
1: And check out our website at postgraduatepharmacist.com
0: where you can get all of our latest content. If you love the show and want to support what we're doing, check out ways to spread the word on our website or buy us a cup of coffee. We could always use the caffeine. So we're now in the winding down stage of the residency match for the 2023 year. We've got maybe a few applicants out there still trying to secure up the remaining programs that have been unmatched or looking for those programs. But for the majority of people, the match is over and you were either successful or unsuccessful. And if you're unsuccessful and don't know what to do or still want to pursue it, there's tons of options out there. Reach out to us. We can help you. But what did you think about this year overall? What are your overall impressions, Taylor, about the 20 really the 2022-2023 Matt?
1: Well, Sean, I think one, we were right. <laughs> we were right. I love being right. We had good predictive models. We must have input good variables into our predicting equation. So, mm-hmm. I think but overall, it's still just surprising just to really grasp and think about how much it has changed over the past few years and just how the balances have tipped the scales and everything from, you know, just a few years ago, even to up till now. So I'm just excited and optimistic about the future, but there could be a lot of change coming as well with that. So we're going to break that down for y'all on the episode today.
0: Yeah. So let's start. So now last time we talked about just phase one. So some of the stats are going to sound a little different today because we're looking at the combined stats. So if you're on the match website, these are gonna be all under the combined phase one and two. So they're gonna sound a little bit hot and they're gonna be a couple hundred above what we were last time. So every time we say 2022, 2023, we're talking about combined. So just to update, uh, to go through here, let's just take it in the same process we did last time. Let's start with just like the number of participants participating in the match total. So we had 6,486 in 2022 who had registered for the match. These are the ones that had signed up, paid that initial registration fee. So in 2023, that number dropped to 5,754. And then just one more stat here, Taylor, to combine with that one. So the number actually participating in the match, these are the ones that submitted rank order lists. We had Five thousand four hundred twenty-seven in twenty twenty-two, and that dropped to five thousand and eleven in twenty twenty-three.
1: Yeah, pretty significant decline on both ends of that. And I just want to even throw it back a couple of years, even more than that, and and just to get perspective, because I I think the class of twenty twenty, you know, they had the they probably had it maybe the hardest, but back in twenty twenty, the number of applicants pgy1 applicants enrolled in the match was 7535 and then 6185 participated in the match so we're talking a difference of about a thousand applicants so from 2020 to 2023 so we see that steady decline and
0: that's just to me that's just fascinating yeah that's huge especially now we're seeing that trend that trend downwards and so the drop is surprising I
1: think another thing that's interesting in
0: the big overarching data that you're probably
1: interested in, the number of applicants that matched overall. From 2023, it was 4,099, which is down slightly from the year before, which was 4,152. So about 50 fewer candidates matched, but you have to keep that in context. So the number participating was down almost. Over 400, so proportionally, you're still seeing a higher percentage match, which we we did see 82% match this year compared to 77% the year before. Yeah, I, I <clears> so <throat> we
0: had predicted greater than 80%, and then there's your greater than 80%. Overall, a five percent change from the year before to now is pretty huge just to think about the fact that we have 5% more folks participating, yeah. which next year we might even be, I would I would just settle a prediction and say next year's probably gonna be more than
1: 85%. I think we might see maybe a little bit less of a percentage increase that match, but I do think maybe like 83 or 84 would be my, probably 84 if I had to hedge my bets and, and put in my very early bet for next year. So mark it down. I'll hold you to it. Deal. And I just want to even, again, I like to go back to this 2020 year because that was the peak of c- competition and number of applicants participating in this process. But that year, 3,904 applicants matched, which is less than that matched even this year and the year prior. And there was only a 63% match rate. So you see an absolute increase of almost 20%, which is... Just mind boggling to me from 2020 to 2023.
0: And we're talking about like, oh, man, the match rates are so much better. That doesn't mean it's not still competitive. If you're looking for a specific program, your chances of getting your top choice, it's still competitive. Don't take anything we're saying today as a oh, I don't have to try as hard. You still want to try. Still, you still want to get your top Mm -hmm. choice. So there it's not 100 percent yet. So we're not to that range where you've got a really, really good chance of getting the exact one you want. There's still going to be probably a little competition there.
1: Yeah, and still one in five won't match. So you have to keep that in mind. That's still not great odds, but it's better than what we have had before. So some optimism, but very cautious optimism, I would say, in terms of the effort and everything that you put into this process. What do you think will happen though, Sean, not just this next year, but let's say five years down the road. Where do you think we'll be at that point?
0: Five years down the road. Can I have you hold that thought? Because there's something I want to talk about with the unfilled one that answers that question. Okay. So you've got number of positions offered in PGY1 in 2022 being 4,242. That went up. So that's good. We talked about it still rose. It stayed pretty steady, but still rose slightly. It went up to 4,249. So seven more positions were offered in 2023 than in 2022. The PGY2 positions also went up by close to 20. Now, the unfilled PGY positions went up from 74 to 114 from 2022 to 2023. So we've got more programs, more positions, and now we're having more unfilled positions, which just logically, it's probably from less candidates applying to those programs, right? Yeah, and they're still going to have some degree of selectivity in terms of which programs they're
1: applying to and that they're ranking and things of that nature. So it just makes sense that there's going to be more, but again, let's go back to 2020, Sean, for those numbers. <laughs> you love that 2020. Five <laughs> unfilled positions, five unfilled
0: PGI want positions. I remember that year is nuts. <laughs> you asked me earlier, Taylor, about what am I thinking is going to happen in five years? And I think we're seeing it already with these unfilled PGY1 positions. So just break, so we have three general PGY1s, not the two-year ones, but just three general ones. We have the pharmacotherapy ones, I'm sorry, pharmacy practice ones. We have community managed care. So in 2022, if you just look at the general pharmacy practice and then community, you had 20 unfilled pharmacy practice, you had 51 unfilled community. So most of the unfilled positions after the total match was over was community positions. This year, it flip-flopped, we have 65, like you were saying, 65 unfilled general ones and only 38 unfilled community. So there actually was more general positions open. Now, there's in the thousands of general PGY1 positions, and there's only a couple hundred community. So overall, the ratio is still, there's a higher percent of unfilled community, but we're seeing this flip-flop. Now, combined with that, this is the jaw dropper right here, is that the number of PGY1 community positions that were offered dropped from 374 last year to 339 this year. That's my, that is it. That summarizes my what's going to happen in five years. This is my prediction, is that you're going to start to see some of these programs that may have gone multiple years unfilled or maybe even just one year unfilled start to close down their residency program. We're seeing a drop in community, which is probably why there's less unfilled community. There's less to choose from. We didn't see it this year with general ones, but I think we're going to start to see some of these, especially these more esoteric, more unique ones, start to close down their programs to match the falling applicant rate. Yeah. So I think that, yeah, from a program
1: side, I would... Agree with you. I think that that's the trend that we're going towards. Fewer candidates participating in the match, fewer matching overall, pursuing residency. You might shut down some of the doors of those programs that are not filling from year to year. So you'll see fewer. But my other thought is I wonder too about pharmacy school enrollment and how the job market dictates demand for pharmacy school enrollment and if that might sway back in the direction of balancing that supply and demand aspect we might see in a few years. If there's a high demand for pharmacists and more and more are (laughs) filling those applicant seats, uh, admissions into pharmacy school, I wonder if we might see an uptick in the future of applicants. Maybe not as much as we had in the past, but some that might
0: sway it a little bit. But Hopefully, it's balancing out a little bit. I agree with both of us. Next year, I think it's going to jump a little higher in the 80s in terms of percent match. But I think we'll hit a plateau where even though the applicants might still be dropping, we're not going to see a higher match rate. Because in all realness, I don't think you'd ever see a 100% match rate because... That means that the most unqualified candidate in the entire pool of applicants matched. And that's probably not going to be the case because there's probably going to be someone out there who's pursuing postgraduate training who doesn't have the tenacity and the academics and the know-how to be able to be successful. And programs are going to identify that. So I don't think we'll ever see a 100% match rate.
1: Oh, definitely not. And my optimistic goal would be somewhere between 85 maybe up to 90%. I think med school, their match rates are like mid-90s. And obviously residency isn't a requirement for pharmacy practice at this point, but having more opportunities available, I think is good for our profession and the applicants who are pursuing those positions. I just wanted to mention this for completeness sake, but PGY2 programs, unfilled positions went from 146 to 142 this year. So a little bit of a decrease about the same but what's interesting is when you look at the types of programs that are not filling or remain unfilled afterwards I think the one that strikes me the most
0: is the PCM PG- care
1: <laughs> no is the PGY2 in health system administration and leadership went from 9 or had 9 filled positions and 26 unfilled positions which is quite a lot and I bet a lot of that comes from most of those types of people who are interested in pursuing administration and leadership probably pursue the combined programs, PGY-1, pgy two, especially mm-hmm. those that are accompanied by a master's program. So you could see maybe some of those types of programs fizzle out a little bit.
0: Um, there's also a lot of ambulatory care opportunities <laughs>
1: that remain unfilled.
0: There are those AMCARE opportunities. I think the PGY2 programs are feeling some of the squeeze. Sometimes you'd have folks pursuing a PGY2 just because they're not quite sure what to do with their PGY1 and... They're looking at jobs, but they're not seeing a job that's really piquing their interest. So it's the old staying in school for longer until something good comes open or you figure out what you want to do with your career. PGY-2 is another like gives you an extra year to figure things out, gives you that extra training and specialty. So I think we're finding a lot of PGY-1s are starting to be like, oh, I can get the job I want right out of PGY-1. I don't need to do additional training. So we're seeing that.
1: Yeah. I also wonder if some of it is
0: the complexity of pharmacy school training nowadays
1: is higher than it was 10 years ago with all the changes in some of our accreditation standards and the things that the students are being asked to do. So I wonder if they're just, in a sense, burnt out of having being in that learner role and they're just ready to start their career. So they choose to forego a PGY-2, whereas maybe before they wouldn't have, but that's just speculation. I don't have data to support that.
0: And then once I'm looking at this again, it's not all PGY-2 programs. It's specific professions here that are suffering in PGY-2. Like overall numbers, there was more positions in PGY-2. There was less unfilled. So that would tell us that it's actually doing better. Yeah. Um, When you look at these individual ones, you're starting to see these, like maybe Amcare is not as popular as it used to be for certain reasons, or maybe we're just looking at flukes one year and it's going to reverse itself the next year.
1: Which I'm surprised by because I feel like I see a lot of potential opportunities with ambulatory care. And I feel like that's a a huge gap that pharmacy can fill in terms of the lack of primary, the shortage of primary care providers. I feel like that's a huge gap that pharmacists could fill. So, whereas like some of the other opportunities potentially could be a little bit
0: oversaturated. One of my mentors would say, and this was back in like 2015, but if you go look 20 years in the future, you're going to have these massive ICU towers that are going to specialize in the most advanced critical care. And that's it. And everything else is going to be outpatient. So no more step down units in the hospital or just like general medicine in the hospital. Like Everything's going to be handled outpatient other than like critical cases.
1: Yeah. Be prepared to pivot.
0: And that's what I'm saying. Like, I see Amcare jobs open all the time. So it surprises me that we don't have more people looking at it. Not to dissuade our
1: listeners from pursuing
0: what you're passionate about, but these are just us rambling on top. <laughs> what he meant to say was, this is just Sean rambling. Well, Taylor bringing it back home. Yeah. <laughs> Keeping us on track.
1: Well, I, I speaking of that, I, th- I think that's all the time we have today. <laughs> But no, what Sean just like if you were to if you were to summarize the stats from this this year, just what we talked about, how would you summarize in one to two sentences?
0: I would say better opportunities for candidates, still a little competitive, but definitely worth checking out postgraduate training as an option because it's not impossible.
1: Yeah. Trending in the right direction. I'll I'll
0: leave it in that. I like that one better.
1: All right. Well then I'll close on that and Appreciate you all listening and if you have any questions about phase one or phase two or just the match in general, any of the statistics and the trends that we're seeing, feel free to reach out to us on our social media or on our website. Thank you for listening.